0: Hello and welcome to episode sixty-eight from your friends at Relay FM. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined uh, this week by Mr. Federico Vatici.
1: Hello, Stephen. Hey, buddy. How are you?
0: I'm good. It, I'm once again uh, pretending to be Mike. Yeah, Mike, uh, I Mike's mean your one.
1: your accent kind of gives it away a little, just a little
0: you know <laughs> they're slightly different <laughs> it's
1: uh, just a very minor difference uh our, our uh, british friend is uh, is away is he's, is uh, he's in the land of the free He's in your country Stephen. he's actually. in my
0: country he's in uh he's in new york city uh he and his lady are taking a little vacation time which is awesome mm-hmm. he well deserved uh so he is uh, he is away this week and um you know it always happens on connected uh, I think because there's 3 of us, we are a little more flexible with the schedule and so if someone like it always seems like we have this like couple week spans where there's not all 3 of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like definitely in the summer because Italy takes the summer off and you're just gone to the Basically. beach. Yes. Um and uh and now you know around the holidays I was out last week with some family stuff, your mic has gone this week. Um and uh yeah, and yeah, that's that. So but we're no, here. we together. not
1: dead. he's not dead. I mean,
0: he could be. I haven't talked. I haven't spoken to him in a couple hours.
1: I mean, he's, he's gone to Walmart, and uh, and I'm pretty sure I saw some pretty scary pictures of people at Walmart on the internet. So, uh, you know, pay, pay attention, Mike. Be safe. Uh, we're thinking of you. But still, we're gonna do. We're gonna do a show. Uh, so, Stephen, I believe Mike was also part of the follow up. Mike.
0: So, Mike is part of the follow up. So we. we Mike get, is the
1: follow up. Okay. Yeah.
0: So we straightened the follow up early. Um, but um there, there, there's really a, a, another pressing question about <laughs> about the um uh, the staff of connected uh, uh, really? Um, <laughs> it is what you did for thanksgiving.
1: Okay, so it wasn't exactly a thanksgiving dinner after all. Uh it was more like a like a casual party with with a with a hint of thanksgiving. So as I said, uh, one of Sylvia's teachers, uh, dance teachers, is uh, is from you know is is American, and so he wanted to celebrate Thanksgiving. All this dinner basically turned into a sort of multiracial dinner. So we there was like a Filipino dish. It uh, was like some rice with uh, with a bun- some meat and potatoes that I'm not sure. There was a Nigerian dish from another guy who goes to the same school. And the American teacher prepared uh, like, um, it was like sausages wrapped in bacon. <laughs> it was They were delicious. And I'm not sure if it's American or if it's something that he invented or if it's Italian <laughs> and he just <laughs> pretended to be American. I don't know, but they were delicious. And m- most of all, it wasn't uh, the the food was nice but it wasn't really, you know, the traditional Thanksgiving. The co- the the focus of the dinner was really beer and drinking. So, you know, it wasn't really a Thanksgiving dinner. It was more like a Thanksgiving party with a bunch of guys from Rome. So just that was a really...
0: just a Thursday night really. It uh, basically yes. It was just <laughs> it wasn't really Thanksgiving.
1: It was just a Thursday night. Uh we had fun. It was fun. Uh I I, I I'm typically not the kind of person who eats a lot of, um, I call it strange food, because to me, you know, non-Italian yeah. food uh, is un- always strange. Unusual food for
0: you. Uh, N- unusual not- food.
1: Yeah. It's nice every once in a while, you know, to taste uh, new, new, new stuff, and it, it was good. So, yeah, it was a fun night. But still, no turkey, no traditional Thanksgiving meal for me. So you, you guys will have to take care of me eventually for Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, we'll have to get you over here at some point and uh, do it upright. Uh, so we have, um, and and what has become a thing on our show, uh, we have some more automotive follow-up. And so, uh, long-time follow-upper, follow-upper? <laughs> yes. Follower-upper, long-time follower-upper. <laughs> <laughs> uh Luca has, has sent us another note about Yes. Uh this is the Enjoy company. Is that who this is? Yes, Enjoy. Um, and they also have three wheel scooters uh I guess available for people yeah. in Milan. And I have a lot of questions about this. Um, <laughs> me
1: too, actually.
0: It uh, seems uh, crazy like and maybe this is just, like the dad and me talking, but like three wheel scooters seem crazy dangerous and like you're just gonna let anyone on it? Like I don't know how to oh. drive. I would, I would crash a three wheel scooter immediately. Like no, I can just I, go uh, run one.
1: Actually, I was about to say, I think it's safer than a two wheel scooter. Well, it's but gotta it's be, just, yeah,
0: it's gotta be safer than that. I mean, it's ugly, just plain ugly. Yeah, they're not I, good looking. You
1: know, I don't know. Is it? This is one of my one of my preconceptions that I gotta clear up. Uh, is American traffic f- also full of scooters? No. As much as it is in Italy? No. no. I mean maybe
0: I mean maybe in like real big cities, but like uh, I mean I live in a yeah. pretty like typical American city and like there's none of that business. I mean everyone No is
1: scooters. Car. No scooters. Oh. That's so strange. Like in Rome, you gotta you, you don't have to pay attention to the cars in traffic as much as you gotta pay attention to the scooters. Because people on scooters are crazy. I think actually scooter people are the the craziest people around. They just they just zigzag around, you know. They go left and right. They don't care about the normal rules of traffic. You, I'm always keeping an eye out for the scooter man, you know. It's just <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the scariest part of driving in Rome. These people on scooters going everywhere. Yeah. So uh, the three wheel scooters with the enjoy sharing. I also have questions about you know parking and the, you know, because you can. I, I imagine leaving a car in a good spot or in a good condition is easier than leaving a scooter, you know, out in the open. So, it's interesting. But this Enjoy Company, I uh, now that I know how it works, I see these Enjoy Cars everywhere. It's like, you know, that phenomenon that you hear a new word and suddenly everyone is speaking that word. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm, I'm seeing the Enjoy Cars, like, all the time. So... Yeah, uh, thank you, Luca, was also a good friend of mine, uh, for, for the scooter follow-up. Uh, Steven, we, we got to convince Mike. Now that he's gone, we can, we can you know talk about Mike. we got to convince Mike to drive one of these cars and see what happens.
0: Yeah. Or maybe the Ex- scooter. Except he doesn't drive. I mean, <laughs> that's I don't know the if he has driven. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah? but he doesn't have a driver's license and he doesn't drive on a regular basis, so it would just really what you want is Mike to be in a car wreck, which is not cool, man. <laughs> not cool <laughs> no, at all. no,
1: no, no. Maybe we can find an empty road and just see for the for the funs, yeah. you know. For, I did
0: for- one time when he was here, I did have the thought of like I would let him <laughs> drive my car in a parking lot. See, um, see? but then I was like, uh, no. So, so we got a we got an email this week from listener Brandon. Uh about some JavaScript stuff, and then there's notes in here about JavaScript and Coda, so I'm just going to let you talk about this.
1: So, yeah, uh, last week, I think it was, I complained about the lack of a JavaScript uh, interpreter on iOS, and, in fact, a few people got in touch with me about this. So, listener Brandon first um, sent us an email arguing that it should be possible to create a JavaScript app, like Pythonista for JavaScript, basically, and maybe even with fewer r- problems than what Pythonista ran into, because on iOS, there's a JavaScript core engine, which is the same used by Safari, for example, when you when you want to use a JavaScript bookmarklet in the browser. Right. The the JavaScript core engine is available on iOS, can be called by other apps, and you put together a playground demo in uh, with Xcode. And not sure if it was in Swift or not. Uh, anyway, it executes uh, JavaScript code, and I and I tested it on my on my MacBook uh, Air with Xcode, and it works. Indeed, it shows a message, and it shows that you know JavaScript core can be executed by other apps and uh, hopefully, you know, this will be... uh, Brandon says that it should be possible to make, you know, the kind of app that I want. It is possible, it's just that no one's making it. So, you know, maybe eventually we'll get something. In the meantime, and I was told this by a reader and and good friend Pedro Lobo on Twitter. I hope that I spelled his name right. Um, It is possible now to do JavaScript playgrounds in Coda so Panics uh Coda app for iOS mm-hmm. you can now create in the in the top bar if you press the the plus icon you can now create a playground and the playground is not like a full IDE for javascript you can only you know execute you know there's like uh, you got ca- you press enter the code executes and now you gotta you know write the code again but still it can show you alerts it can show you errors so it is something it's not a full JavaScript developer environment like the one that I want but it is you know uh, it is a good start uh, so that's about it for you-, you see Stephen we're jumping from automotive to automation I feel like this is very good follow up Stephen very good structure uh, thank you.
0: You know, it's just really just a bulleted list, but I'm happy to help.
1: (laughs) No, no. you got to see a deeper meaning in the follow-up.
0: And uh, I put this in the follow-up. It's not really follow-up. It's sort of like a mini topic. But um, yesterday, as we record this, uh, the word came down from on high that Apple Music was coming to the Sonos platform. And If you're not super familiar with Sonos, it is basically a... um, it's sort of like an ecosystem for audio. I mean, they've got they've got an app. They've got like really nice speaker systems you can put in your house or your office or whatever. Um, and they also sort of have like this content section in their thing as well. And so, um, you can load music into their app. And I don't. I've read and heard mixed things about the podcasting. I don't. I'm not really up to date on that. What they're doing there. But Apple Music is coming, and um, which is like people who are into this. Stuff like, or, or, or like, Sonos fans are really into it. Like, if you notice, like, people get really excited about this, yeah. And like, I would like to check it out, but I have bills to pay, so <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm do that. It. But, That's- um, it does seem like out you know, uh, Apple Music's on Android now, and now they're doing here. I mean, they're really, uh, what's interesting about this to me is, as a so as I don't have a dog in the Sonos fight is that Apple Music is really expanding past like Apple hardware, you know, generally. And historically, Apple's services and software, like, look at the iTunes store. Uh, it was built for the iPod, right, and and for iTunes. And now, I think Apple wants music to be bigger than just the iPhone or just the Mac, which is crazy, right? Because the iPhone is, like, a crazy big business. But they really want Apple Music to sort of be the service that you can work. It does work on Apple hardware, and that's fine. But it can also work with all of your other stuff, too. And I think that's really, like, a, it's an interesting, like, shift of strategy from Apple. And I think it's one that they need to do if Apple Music is going to be successful, right? They need it to be huge because Spotify is everywhere. Like, Spotify is yep. on, I mean, it's on my dishwasher, I think. Um, you know, RDO is nowhere anymore, but, you know, they tried to do that as well. They were cross-platform. Um and so you know it's it's interesting that, that Apple's doing this, and I think it's like if you're a Sonos user and you like Apple Music, like for that po- section of the population, they're going to be really excited.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, these services can only I think they can only survive if they achieve some kind of scale. So if they're available everywhere to as ma- as many people as possible on as many platforms as possible, and we have seen this kind of maybe an idea from Apple, uh, actually from the first uh, few weeks, when they also enabled, you know, integration with Shazam and uh, pretty sure also SoundHound, so, you know, to allow you to recognize a song and stream it instantly from, you know, from these apps. And now they're continuing to do so, even even to a higher degree with the Sonos uh, speaker ecosystem, which I think it's a good idea. Um, I, I really, I was kind of surprised by the the amount of people excited by this news. Uh, I didn't honestly know Sonos was this popular. I used to, I reviewed uh, one of the old Sonos before they changed uh, the name to the Play 3 or Play 5. Many, many years ago, they sent me a review unit. And uh, it, I remember it was really, really nice. and But it was also quite expensive, you know? And um, so I'm I'm curious to see how it works. I just don't want to spend the money on a speaker. Also, because I feel like I listen to music more with headphones than speakers. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, uh, speakers, especially when they're loud, I don't want to bother, you know, other people in the house. I don't want to bother my neighbors. So, I just feel like I can enjoy headphones more. Uh, So, I'm not really a speaker person. Um, But, you know, maybe just out of curiosity if I can find, like, a used unit or a cheap version. I don't know we'll see um there's a there's a every time apple music has a as an update i enjoy and by enjoy i mean it's not really enjoyment but it's just an observation uh jim of the loop it's is, is having quite a few problems with apple music and he makes a he makes some good points i think you know um jim is a very uh he's very into music you know he's a, he's a music fan He's, he's a the the, the the comparison would be if people like, like me, we are, you know, power users for productivity apps, Jim is the power user for music stuff, and he, he doesn't really like Apple Music, and he, he continues to have all these crazy bugs and all these crazy technical problems, which I don't see because I don't use, you know, my music library as much as Jim does. But I find it interesting that Apple is kind of not paying attention to these problems. And it's not just Jim. There's a lot of people who have, you know, the same issues. And I'm running the iOS 9.2 beta. And I don't, again, I don't use the music library features, you know, the My Music section. But I still see quite a few glitches and problems with the interface. You know, missing uh, albums that I once added to my music or that I... Liked or loved, whatever is the proper name. Uh, they're not loved anymore, which is sad, you know. Um, or maybe you know music that I that I uh, that I added to a playlist, which is you know just disappeared. So there's still technical problems which Apple is not fixing, and I I wonder are they gonna wait for, for you know iOS 10 to 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 fix these issues? And people like Jim and you know in general, I don't know. But hey, you get streaming on the Sonos, so. Yeah, you
0: know. Yeah. Um. It, it, I agree with you. I mean, I think Apple Music still problematic in areas, and clearly, Jim has had more pro- problems than most people with his sort of platform. But yeah, I mean, it's it, there's always that um, that stress of tying like OS releases with fixes and stuff. And we're gonna talk more about that with iCloud Photo Library here in a second. But um, yeah, it's 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 cool. Like if you like Sonos and you like Apple Music, it's great. It, for me, not using either, it doesn't do much for me, but it's nice to have options. So, Yeah. Uh, hey, Federico, did you know this week's episode of Connected is sponsored by lynda.com? Oh, nice. It is. lynda.com is the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash connected. That's lynda.com slash connected. Lynda.com is for problem solvers, for the curious, and for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, strengthen your negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. Lynda.com can help you feed your curious mind. Uh, I've been actually checking out Lynda.com, and they've really got some really amazing courses on there. They've got a lot of stuff for like the Adobe CC Suite, so Illustrator, or Photoshop, or InDesign for various design and and uh type of skills, all that stuff's in there. Um I was looking at some stuff for wireframing recently. In Illustrator you can take care of that. There's a really nice course on that. Um there's a lot of stuff we're talking about JavaScript earlier. There's a lot of programming stuff in here. You can uh work with JavaScript. You can work with Xcode, with Swift, with iOS app development. Um or you know maybe you're more on the business side and you need to look at something like getting things done or going paperless in your office or uh figuring out how to bootstrap your business. All of this stuff is at lynda.com and you can watch and learn from top experts in these fields. You can stream thousands of video courses on demand and it allows you to learn on your own schedule and at your own pace. Each of these videos is structured in a way that you can watch them start to finish or you can jump around. What I really like is there's a transcript with each one and so you can follow along you can search for something and skip to that part in the video. So if, if you come at it from like a video angle like Mike does or from a sort of uh, reading angle like I do, you can you can do that with lynda.com. You can create and save playlists of courses you want to watch to customize your learning path or share with friends, colleagues, uh, and other team members. And you can even watch and download courses uh, to an iOS or Android device to learn on the go. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you want to learn something new, Go visit lynda.com slash connected and sign up for your free 10 day trial. It's lynda.com slash connected. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Sketch had a blog post this morning.
1: Yeah. Uh, this just happened basically like an like an hour ago.
0: Yeah. And the crux of it is that they are leaving the uh the Mac app store. So, so if you're not familiar with Sketch, um it is a A design tool for the Mac. Um, It's extremely popular, uh, extremely successful. um, And it has been Mac App Store only, I believe, since day one. And now it uh, they are leaving. And so this blog post kind of outlines why. And there's not much in here that's super surprising, right? Which is maybe even the saddest part about this, is that I kind of knew the reasons before I read it. It's things like, uh, what they say, review time uh sandboxing, app store guidelines, and uh that upgrade pricing is unavailable. It's um, you know, it's kind of just more of, of the same. And one thing I like about this post a lot is that they say it's not a knee-jerk reaction to the certificate issue of a couple weeks ago where I'm sure you remember a bunch of Mac App Store apps, a bunch of users had to reinstall their Mac App Store apps because the certificate was broken in the App Store and it corrupted the apps and I I got hit by it. I don't reinstall a bunch of apps. Uh it was super frustrating. And they say that wasn't the reason, but they said that, that made them feel justified. <laughs> like they'd already made the decision it seems like and that was sort of just icing on the cake. Um And I think this is a big deal. I mean, Sketch is a is a popular app. It's an expensive app and now it is leaving. And it's and like, ex-
1: you know, Apple design award winner 3 years ago. Now, leaving the very store that you know allowed them to achieve success. Uh, I think it is a problem, and I think at this point, we're actually past the stage of saying the Mac store, the store may have a problem. Uh, we are we we all acknowledge the problem, and the only thing we can do is either find a solution or hope that Apple listens. But it's been, I would say that the you know th- there've always been problems with the mac app store since it it launched uh, it'll be 5 years in january it's crazy and from from yeah and from the ve- and uh, from the very first day so Janu- i th- i still remember january 6 2011 the following day there were developers who were asking apple to improve the mac app store with the same issues the same problems that we're talking about today so it's been 5 years and the mac app store has not changed it has it has somehow uh, you know, just continued to exist uh, mm-hmm. without any major improvements. Sure, Apple brought, you know, nicer featured pages or, uh, I don't know, nicer banners, maybe. They started selling uh, or actually uh, making available for free the version of OS 10 on the Mac App Store. Um, but that's it. So developers are still asking for the same features. And if anything the Mac App Store got worse for developers because since Apple started enforcing the sandboxing rules, preventing apps from accessing you know, certain files and locations on a user's computer, uh, it even became harder for developers to make you know uh, software that is not a, a menu bar utility <laughs> uh, on the Mac. And uh, the simple reality is that we're now at the point where the best apps for the Mac... Uh, cannot be sold in the Mac App Store because it's just too much of a hassle, too much of a problem. And developers, are they still have a way, you know, you could argue, but it's not really a problem because they, you got Gatekeeper uh, and you can install software securely from outside the Mac App Store. But you see, this is not the kind of argument that you can have two sides of the coin. Uh, you cannot say the mac app store is still the best place is the best place to sell software you got to be on the mac app store and then when you when you are confronted with reality you say but hey you still have a keeper uh so it's either uh, it's either the mac app store is the best place or the the solution it's not real a solution it's it's a it's a temporary alternative which is not you know uh the great the, the, the perfect um alternative actually for developers because if you decide to release an app outside of the Mac App Store, you lose a bunch of benefits. The first one, of course, is uh, exposure and, uh, you know, availability in a in a simple-to-use store, you know, and, and there are also a bunch of other technical limitations. For instance, you cannot use iCloud if you decide to mm-hmm. sell an app outside of the Mac App Store. So, uh, this is a very simple argument. These apps, and it's, you know, Sketch, uh, Edit. Uh, Council has a great list of apps that are not available on the Mac App Store. These are not stupid people. These are great apps. And it's a very simple problem. You look at this list and you're like, okay, these are great pieces of software. Why are they not available on the Mac App Store? If I were... Someone at Apple in charge of this situation, if there's still anyone in charge at this point of the makeup Store, uh, or if it's just, you know, like, like a next serve left on a, on a, on a shelf yeah. minding the store. Uh, <laughs> I would say, I would look at this list. I would say, okay, this is great software. The people who use these apps are not insane. They are professionals. They are creatives. They are normal people. They're not any less intelligent than me why is this list of software not available on the Mac App Store? And I would fix it. And you can, you know, the, the principles that are guiding Apple, such as simplicity or sandboxing or security, can only go as far when it comes to getting work done. And we have talked about this at length in the past. I believe in the safe and secure model of the Mac App Store and the iOS App Store in general. But you cannot, force people to change the way that they get work done. If I want my design tool to access files on my computer, you cannot say, yeah, you cannot do that. Because at the end of the day, getting work done is getting work done. And you cannot tell people, yeah, you got to spend $200 and you're not going to be able to try that beforehand. You see, the principle is good on principle. (laughs) But in practice you got to do something. Well, all all the
0: details are wrong, right? I mean, you know, again, this is a little bit of a rehash, but, I mean, (laughs) software existed on the Mac for a long, long time before the App Store showed up. And the App Store basically took the iOS model and just kind of pasted it on top of the Mac without the consideration of the way things have been done and that people do expect things like being able to trial an app or have upgrade pricing um and you know i I get that on day one but you you hit it on the head we was like it's been five years and there's been no evolution i mean look at test flight right test flight's been out on ios well before apple bought them and there's still nothing like that on the mac and if you're running mac beta you basically like send out zip files and hope for the best and it's 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 i understand that on day one if it wasn't a good fit that's fine like i can get over that because I can go buy apps elsewhere and I do but having no evolution no meaningful change in this long it either shows one of two things one is that just no one cares at Apple which I struggle to find I struggle to believe that I think that they do care about the Mac and they do care about Mac software so I think the second one is true which is more worrisome is that people are paying attention to it and they don't think there's a problem and that they view that the iOS model can work on the Mac and that maybe we'll all just come around eventually. And between the two, that's more worrisome to me because clearly it's not working, right? It's not just people like me who uh, are old and and cranky. It is, like, uh, Sketch is a real business. Like, their uh, their founder spoke at Release Notes, gave a great talk about his business. And it's like, this is a real company making a really good powerful application and that a lot of people rely on do their jobs. And because of, the, of Apple's unwillingness or inability to change or to, to fix this, in fact, they've made it worse, right? I mean, uh, with sandboxing being sort of a bigger problem to deal with than it used to be, uh, clearly they're not interested in the same things. and And that's fine as long as you can survive on the outside. But like you said, you lose the spot in the storefront. Right, that you, you don't have the you don't have the benefits of being in the app store if you're out on your own. And so I, I think Sketch will do well because Sketch is um is big and well known, but if you're a small app developer, being in the app store may be your only choice, maybe your only well, shot to gain an audience. And I, I what, don't know what if anyone... you
1: wanna be what if you wanna be the next sketch?
0: <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, I mean, what's yeah the, absolutely what's the solution it's really hard i mean it's really tough and um it's not i don't envy any envy anyone having to make those decisions um uh but i, I just do wish that apple would listen because you know you can write one or two apps off uh, you know uh you know something like transmit that you know needs root level permission to your desk and you know, maybe that's not a good fit but like sketch doesn't you know sketch is leaving for a bunch of reasons not just one and they're not just technical they're political and that I think something Apple needs to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, and, you you know, you could argue that. uh, Is the problem, you know, with the Mac App Store uh, making Apple sell fewer Macs? So, is it really a problem for, you know, the millions of computers that they sell every quarter? And right now, maybe it's not a problem. But, you know, the people who run into these kind of problems the you know they are the people who recommend to their friends and to their families to buy a Mac and maybe it's not a big deal right now but I believe when you're in charge of a a big company you gotta spot this you know it's not when you're in charge of a a company like Apple uh, it's not about solving the problem as much as it is about diagnosing the problem very early on and when all these millions of Uh, dollars are at stake and when you have a developer ecosystem you gotta be able to recognize the problem when it's starting and it's been five years which is why we're all these concerned about the mac app store Mm -hmm. because it's been a long time and there's still nothing just silence and it it's become even more ridiculous in the past year since you know test flight and all these other changes for developers analytics is another one uh that i forgot to mention um and it's just radio silence on the Mac, which is you know concerning because you clearly have a you clearly have a problem, and the doctor doesn't say anything. Imagine that if you were a patient, the Mac app store is ailing, and there's no communication from Apple, no changes, just nothing. How are you supposed to react to that? Uh, I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens i guess
0: yeah i I, I don't expect much um. But we'll see, and, and you know, there, and there are good things about, like I said, there's iCloud. There's the ability to easily go in and see what you've purchased and re-download it. I mean, there are nice things about it, and I just wish that those nice things came with better trade-offs. You know. Um, anyways, um, so on the uh, on the subject of um, Apple, uh, and oh, sadness, um, I had a rough weekend, Federico. I had okay. a real a real rough Sunday, so. Uh, I'm sure a bunch of people saw this because it was all over the place, but, um, the, during the beta of photos, which is like a, like a year ago now, like it was like, uh, it's been a while. It's been like months and months and months. Uh, I was like, you know what? As I do as part of my job, I need to check this out. Right. So I download the photos beta, sign up for the iCloud photo library beta. I import my photo library is roughly 70 gigs in size, probably a little smaller a year ago. Imported it all uh from Dropbox, which is where I've kept it, which we, we're we're not reopening the photo management uh can of worms today, I promise. Um but uh I uploaded them all and it was just a mess, right? It was beta, it was real buggy, it was slow, it really wasn't for me at the time. So I was like, you know what, that's fine. Like I still have my Dropbox and Finder system, which I like. Uh I'll just remove my photo library and uh with um with iCloud, um you can go in and you can basically tell it to remove your the your photo library from the cloud. So the kind of the way it works, the photo app on the Mac syncs the photos up and then you can sync them back down to iOS devices and um and go from there. And so I did that, right? And it says, Hey, it's gonna be thirty days before I delete this It's like a safety mechanism, which I like. I like that it's not um going to just uh nuke all of my stuff immediately, which is which is nice. So I tell it to delete, I wait the 30 days, uh, it seems to have done it, The storage, I get the storage space back in my iCloud account, right, it seems to all be gone, and um, and I move on. And so, over the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking, hey, you know what, like, I'd like to try this again, it, it seems to be better under Al Capitan, the app seems better, people seem to be happy with the iCloud photo library these days, so I just did it again, right, imported the photos, didn't take that long. Uploaded them, which is pretty quick for me, and uh, everything's cool for a couple of days, um, and it seems kind of settle. So I go to my iPad. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna turn iCloud Photo Library on on my iPad, um, and I do it, and it just spins for like two days, like it just never happens. And it's this is like over Thanksgiving, right? So I'm not checking in on this, right? I just kind of like, oh, it's still working. Okay, I'll put it back down. And this weekend, I pick it up and I open Photos on the Mac, and I have. Uh, a big mess and so basically i have albums that from my old from the previous library have been synced back in and Mm. most of them were just duplicates which i could deal with right it'd be a pain but i could deal with duplicate albums like that's not the end of the world but what is the end of the world is that they didn't all duplicate that there was a uh, a number of them that overrode local data on disk with an empty album from iCloud and uh, that's not great. Um, so I wrote this thing. I wrote it, you know, kind of as it was happening. Uh, I think it's pretty clear what happened in the article, but I was, I was upset. And I think rightfully so. And, um, y- you know, I've gotten a bunch of feedback on this, more than I have in a long time. about anything I've written on all sides of it, there were like, I don't know how many comments on the Hacker News thread. I just closed the tab and <laughs> went on with my day. But um, it's a problem. And and, and the, the, the the error that iCloud made was it overwrote data on my local disk with empty data from the cloud that was old that I told it to delete months ago, right? Like um and uh and so I just like I'm, I'm like I'm I'm just over it. Like I, I really would like to use iCloud Photo Library. I think it'd be really nice to have all of my photos accessible on my iPad. Um but I have to be able to trust it and as you know, more so than with documents and more so than with music i have to feel like i could trust my photo solution because uh that stuff is irreplaceable and and really what kicked me over the edge was one of the albums that overwrote was our make a wish trip and i was just like you know what i'm done like no, no um, that's a big no <laughs> and oh. uh and so i've heard from a bunch of people people in the chat room right now saying i've had the same issues and um and there are people who uh, how it's run smoothly for which is great i think it runs smoothly for most people but again, like, and maybe I fell into the I fell into the Dalrymple hole of Apple Music, and I'm just in that with photos. Yeah. Um, but there's no, like, there's no transparency with iCloud, right? You you can't, you can't really see what it's doing. You can't really go in and reset anything or redo anything. You know, one thing I really like about Google, uh, you can go to Google Takeout. And you can uh download all your data or and you can like close different services on your account, or you can close your whole account and you and you can see what it has, right? And and Apple just doesn't have that. And I think they I think they need it. Um and you know, I'm hopefully working with Apple support and some people at Apple to try to get this resolved. But like it shouldn't have to come to that to to make this work for me, you know? Yeah. what
1: happened to you sounds extremely bad. Uh, Again, different use cases, different, you know, uh, I just take pictures on my iPhone, they show up on the iPad, I'm okay. But I can perfectly understand you have a library of years and years of photos and you want to start using iCloud and it over overrides what what you already have that's bad you know there's just no way around it you can justify the behavior it doesn't mean that it's right uh it should work better and uh i mean i think you should you should continue to use dropbox and you know maybe other backups uh i i hear quite a lot of praise for google photos
0: yeah i uh, i use that so so the system has been and i think will continue to be Stuff in Dropbox, which makes it show up on like two computers and my NAS and a bunch of time machine drives. Uh and I then also have Google the Google Photos backup app sitting and running and watching that folder. And what's nice about that is that I can I have the Google Photos app on my phone. If I need to find something that I haven't synced over, that's how I do it because it's fast and like Google Photos is basically magic. Um but I still want my photos local, so the the Google photos for me is like that backup and kind of online view if that makes sense yeah
1: i wanna try Google photos again. I deleted it uh this summer uh because I really wanted to try the photos app uh now i kinda uh, i wanna i wanna put all my photos in in Google again um speaking of which uh we you know we had a a double iCloud slash google topic this week, so you talked about iCloud and photos, I want to talk about uh, iCloud Calendar and Google Calendar, uh, but before I do that, I think you want to you wanna thank our friends at Igloo.
0: I do, Igloo. I do. That's very thoughtful of you, Federico. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, our friends at Igloo make the intranet that you will actually like. With Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. You can manage your task list, task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates on your phone, Uh, and access the latest version of a file from anywhere uh, on your tablet. Because these days, everything is mobile and your work should be too. If you ever looked at your intranet, and I've I've had jobs with intranets, uh, and you think, whoever designed this must truly hate me and everyone here, uh, those days are over. Igloo allows you to make your intranet feel like the place you actually want to be. It's surprisingly configurable, and you can completely rebrand it to give it the look and feel of your team. There's group spaces, role-based access permissions, and easy drag-and-drop widget editor. So you can really customize it and give your team the tools that they need uh, to do their work. With our mobile lives, people are increasingly bringing in outside apps and services into companies, and sensitive documents are getting spread across all these different platforms. And uh, that can cause some big security issues uh, for companies. But if you use Igloo, you're able to integrate those services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox. Uh, into one big, easy, secure, central platform. Uh, if you know terms like 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, and Active Directory integrations, uh, then you know how good Ig- Igloo really is. And with Igloo, you can share these files with your coworkers. You can collaborate on them. You can make your team work as a team. You can track who has read them with red receipts, and you can uh, make sure that people see the critical information, keeping everyone on the same page. It's time to break away from the internet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now. You can try it for free, and for any team up to ten people, you can use it for free as long as you want. Sign up at igloosoftware.com/slash connected. Thank you so much to Igloo for supporting Connected and all of Relay FM. So what's uh what's going on with your calendar?
1: So every year I like to to try iCloud calendar again. Because every year there seems to be a new feature that, uh, you know, it makes me curious to check it out. And this year, after I wrote about, you know, iCloud Calendar last year, this year I wanted to try the new time-to-leave notifications, which were sort of an evolution of the driving time information screen label, whatever, that they added back in, uh, what was uh, the OS ten before uh, Yosemite, was it? Uh, Mavericks. Mavericks? What was the name? Mavericks. No, it wasn't... Mavericks, yeah. are you sure? Mm-hmm. So it's Mavericks, Yosemite, and what's... Oh, El Capitan, yeah, El Capitan. So anyway, they added the, the driving time in Calendar uh, a few years ago. This year, it's time to leave notifications, which bas- the idea is you create a calendar event with a, with an address, and you can choose to receive an alert on your phone when it's time to leave. So depending on traffic depending on your location and, you know, other conditions. In theory, such as the weather also, or, you know, road accidents ahead of you or road work, you know, all these other variables, you get a notification when it's time to leave. As I wrote in my iOS 9 review, these time to leave notifications have been useless for me. <laughs> uh, they they fire too early. So I know that I have an event that takes me, I don't know, about 15 minutes to drive there. and In theory, I should be able to get, I don't know, maybe 5 to 10 minutes before the driving time. So maybe I would say 20 to 25 minutes ahead of time, I get the time to leave notifications. So I get like 5 or 10 minutes to get ready. That's what I want. Instead, Apple, for an event that takes me 15 minutes to get there, they send me notification like 50 to 55 minutes before which is just useless because by the time I got to leave, I, uh, I forget maybe or uh, maybe I start doing something else and then I don't know that I'm supposed to leave. Um, and it, this has never worked for me. I don't know if it's an American thing that, you know, Americans maybe want to, arri- to arrive at destinations early. Uh, I just don't care because, I, you know, I don't have to arrive, to arrive early at, you know, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just uncommon for me to arrive early. I arrive when it's time, you know. It's, anyway... Um, I remembered that uh, the Google app uh, was able to look into the Google Calendar account and send you actual, precise, you know, uh, actually precise notifications for uh, driving times, time to leave. And uh, so I w- When last week I was, uh, I was about to drive to an event and I had, for an unrelated reason, installed uh, the Google app on my iPhone. And I just needed to check out, I think, the new design or just another feature. Anyway, I logged into with my Google account and by chance it had uh, an old repeating event for that, that I didn't delete in my Google Calendar account. And I just happened to be about to drive to the same event, to the same location, because I should mention here, I don't create a lot of calendar events with locations. I don't do a lot of... Actually, I, I never do meetings uh, in, in real life, at least. Uh, I, I drive to specific places a few times each week, and it's always the same event. It is what you would call a routine. Uh, I just happened to have one of those events already in my Google Calendar. So I was just sitting there with my iPhone, and the Google app sent me a notification. And I was like, oh, you, re- you, you, you remembered. And looking at the time, it was just perfect. You know, the timing, it was about 10 minutes ahead of time. It knew that it would take me about a, you know 15 minutes to get there. And it was just, you know, perfect. Instead, iCloud Calendar sends me notifications way ahead of time. And then for some reason, while I'm already driving, sometimes it decides to send me the notification again, only with, you know, just the wrong time. So, what I decided to do is I'm going to move back to Google Calendar, and this is much its it's a bigger topic than you know the those couple of events that I got in my calendar and it's a bigger idea and I think I also touched on this in my in my is nine review. I appreciate Apple's commitment to privacy and you know to keeping customer data secure and to don't to not look at the at the information across different services. So, for example, they could you know look at what you browse in Safari and give you music recommendations in in Apple Music. I appreciate that, and I think that a lot of people also do. And I, I'm a fan of you know the transparency of, of Apple and you know Tim Cook's commitment to privacy. I like that. It's just a, for some features and for some apps, the practical benefit and the trade off of Google's approach just works better for me because i again it's a matter we we all love to talk about principles and and ideas but ultimately you know i got I got I got i got a house that i got to pay the bills for i got a life <laughs> and i got a routine and it doesn't matter you know i can i can hold my principles for more important matters but when it comes to do I want to uh, wanna get a notification when it's time to leave so I'm not late, I like that. It's, it's a practical feature, and it just doesn't work with iCloud. And maybe it doesn't work for because, you know, Apple doesn't like to look at a bunch of different data points. And uh, it's a nice idea, but Google's approach w- just works better in practice. And I realize that maybe I'm giving up some of my privacy. Uh, but to an extent, I would say I'm okay with that when the service that I receive in return just works better in, you know, everyday life, uh, and this is reflected uh, for me in in Google Calendar the most because it can look at you know m- Google Maps, it can look at my history, and you know, it uh, I I understand why people don't want to use Google services, and this doesn't want to be you know one of those. Uh, stupid (laughs) wars between Apple and Google. I'm just saying here that for what I need to do for my life outside of the, uh, you know, the website and the principles and the ideas, I'm just a regular human being who doesn't want to be late. And the Google app helps me to do that Google Calendar. And also, I want to say, I struggle to see what could ever happen to me if there was ever a breach in Google Calendar. Uh, Would people know my address? Well, that's basically public anyway. Uh, Would there be someone that comes knocking at my place? We're going to have fun, I think. Uh, You know, I'm just not... uh, Quite a few readers email me. Are you not scared of the kind of data that you put into Google? Well, you know, there's a lot of scary things in life. And I would say I'm more scared by the scooter man in Rome and the yeah. traffic and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> bad news that you see on TV that I'm scared about da- data breach on Google. Uh, again, it's about the practical benefit. And when it comes to the calendar, iCloud is just not working for me. So I moved back to Google Calendar, which, again, takes me like two minutes because I don't have many events. And But just for those few events, I see the upside, which is I get notifications. When it's time to leave, they are accurate and they take into account, which is also nice uh y- you can see in the Google app uh if there's any accident uh, on the road if there's you know any problems any s- slowdowns traffic mm-hmm. jams uh it's useful and I don't s- get the data with Apple Maps or with iCloud calendar so it just works better for me I'm not afraid of you know the security and actually the privacy concerns uh I realize that a lot of people are upset by this way of living life, but it's just you know, I live each day this way.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the thing that's interesting uh, t- to me talking about this, and and I use iCloud basically for contacts, calendars, like the whole thing, my personal email, and I I, I use iCloud calendar and for the big reason is that it's really easy to share. And so like, I've got two, I've got like me and then I've got work and, uh, we have one for like family events. My wife has one and we share that. It's really seamless to share those. Um, and so for me, like moving systems would, you know, involve like dragging her into it as well. But, uh, I mean, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense and and it it comes down to that just sort of like fundamental differences that Google can do that really well because they apply what they learn like in mass and Apple's system is local on your device and, and uh, maybe not as, as powerful. I I will say I've had pretty good luck with the, um, Hey, can you know, remind me when it's time to leave type thing on iOS. It seems to work pretty well for me. Maybe it's that their map data is better where I am than you are. I mean, who knows? Uh, but I will say that um, the where it falls down for me is, like, Apple software. Like, right? the, the built-in calendar app, like, I've had it. I'll go change an event, and it will revert back after a sync. And I, I don't have that happen in Fantastical or Busy Cal. It's like, there's a whole bunch of moving parts with calendars and with contacts and everything. Um, but for me, where I feel it the most of where I... I Look at going back to gmail is is just with the email stuff with the email rules and the spam filtering and everything iCloud just isn't as powerful as what Google's doing and you know I think that the like that idea that uh you know Google knows about you like I understand people's concern and i don't want to i don't want to belittle anyone's concerns at all but I, it's just not something I worry about like i i trust that their privacy stuff is is in good shape and that yes you i'm sharing it with a company and with their really smart computers but i'm not you know that stuff's not going to get get published anywhere and so i i I agree with you i think i think you just have to make the decision of like is the trade-off here uh worth it for me and that's what mike said months ago when we talked about this last time yeah for him it it made sense
1: yeah absolutely and Uh, Actually, right now, I am a little curious to see uh, what's going on with the Google app and Google Now on iOS. I don't know if you saw my tweet last night, but I'm basically getting the uh, Google Now uh, cards um, from apps on iOS. It used to be an Android feature. I think it's rolling out on iOS right now, so the idea is certain apps allow you to connect to your Google account so you can see relevant uh, snippets of data. Uh, in in Google Now, uh, which is interesting. I'm I'm not sure what apps I can try that have this feature on iOS. Uh, but it's you know it's something that I want to also that I want to try.
0: Yeah, uh, they, I mean they have that good ecosystem, right? Of, of stuff that that all works together and pulls from that central uh, central information in your account. And, and again, that's really powerful. And if it if that makes sense for you and you need that, then that's great. And again, like I keep coming back to this because. So the photo library thing in particular, like, just really burned me a little bit. The idea of, um, like, no one company. Like, when well, we cover Apple here, we like Apple, but just because we cover Apple and we like them, uh, and we like their products, doesn't mean that they're perfect. And it doesn't mean that every other company is the opposite of perfect, right? That, <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah. the beauty of of like the modern era we live in is that you can use like your iPhone can be a Google machine, right? You can you yeah. can use Google services on iOS and it works really well. Same thing on OS 10, And that flexibility is really nice. And it, it it's something that I think makes iOS really powerful that you can use all these differences. Like you, you work in Exchange, like cool, plug your Exchange thing in. If the built-in stuff doesn't work for you, go download Outlook that works with Exchange. Like you have all these options. Um, But the idea that like we or anyone else is supposed to be like tiling allegiance with one, like I'm only going to use Apple stuff. And like I had someone like basically call me like sensationalist for writing what I wrote. It's like, well, no, like I wrote what happened to me and um that's all I you know, like I I didn't show up outside like, Cooper with pitch pitchforks, right? It's like, well did, you should have emailed you should have called their support first. You know what? I did. And uh we have a call set up to to work through it. Like, you know, I didn't just write it for the pages. I didn't you know you're not doing this just to like inflame the Apple Google war. You're doing because it, it makes sense for how you need to use your devices, right? Um, I mean, you can even stretch that argument back to like the iPad and Mac thing, where like, oh, you just use the iPad f- to make the points. Like, no, use an iPad because it makes sense for you. Like, why does that conversation need to go past that statement?
1: No, no, I, uh, you know, it's just this applies to to a lot of aspects in life. It's it, <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, the problem becomes much bigger on Twitter. Uh, it, it's it can be tricky to. You know, understand that people have different opinions than you mm-hmm. and they they have different lives and different experiences. That's part of being an adult and maybe a responsible adult to understand that people are different and what works for you doesn't work for me. And the great thing about technology is that it's always different. So I can take selfies on my iPhone and you know Austin Mann can go to Switzerland and take awesome pictures with mm-hmm. the same iPhone. Um w- again, saying that something doesn't work. I think it's actually one of the best things that you can do uh, to criticize a product to help make it better and uh, I actually don't don't think there's a lot of utility in praising unnecessarily a product even when you know that it's got flaws and you know problematic aspects just because you want to be you like a company. I think being fair, being honest uh is a good thing and i I don't see what you wrote as you know sensationalism I think it's just the truth it's what happened to you The ba- again it's a very basic idea shouldn't have happened but it happened so why can we fix it can we make it better it's very simple um, this was a good discussion Steven
0: yeah and again it's that you know there's there's options there's these things you can fit together to um, solve the problem that you have so if you know if, if the directions and leave on time feature doesn't work for you in one go to somewhere else like um, and I think that's, I think that's nice, you know, I mean, there are people who are going to do it all, um, uh, you can do it all self-hosted, you can, you know, there's all these different ways you can do it, and I think that's, I think that's great, so. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so yeah, anyways, um, we're going to talk about the the next iPhone because apparently it's that time of year again. <laughs> it seems early. <laughs> um, oh <my> god. <laughs> but first, uh, I want to tell you about our friends at Foot Cardigan. A subscription to Foot Cardigan will get you get your favorite person one pair of whimsical socks delivered to their mailbox every month. That's right, a sock subscription. It's like the best thing about the internet. Uh, they're going to remember your awesome gift every single month for as long as you want. You know, one of the most stressful parts about the holidays. You know, we're in this season now. Is picking out that perfect gift uh, for someone you know. It's it can be hard to find that right thing, but Foot Cardigan makes it simple. And finally makes it awesome to be given socks. So, like, socks are like what your aunt gives you because she doesn't know you, but a cardigan is not that way. Once you subscribe or you buy a subscription for someone you love, every month a new pair of socks is going to arrive at home. It's like Christmas in July and in August and in September. A surprise pair of fun socks delivered to their door each month. It's the gift that really does keep on giving. Uh... As well as for fun-loving adults, Foot Cardigan also has socks for kids called Whippersnappers, which I just love, uh, for ages uh, 3 through 12. And they'll get two pairs a month instead of just one because kids destroy, kids destroy things. We know it's, it's, uh, it's still a little early in the holiday season, but you've already procrastinated your holiday shopping every year. It's never uh, too late to change that. Be your parents' uh, favorite kid this year and get them a subscription to Foot Cardigan. You'll be the most popular person around the holiday table. Foot cardigan subscriptions are available for three, six, and nine month uh, segments. It's all prepaid, but there's a month to month option too. And listeners of this show can get 10% off all subscriptions with the code CONNECTED at checkout. Remind your favorite person how awesome you are every month with Foot Cardigan. Thank you so much to Foot Cardigan for supporting this show and all of Relay FM.
1: I should add, Stephen, that since I started paying attention to my socks, you Mm -hmm. know, to get nicer designs, and one of the best things I could have done to my style in general, people always notice good socks. And funny socks, elegant socks, doesn't matter. I find it to be one of the best details that you can add to your general, you know, appearance or style, you know. And uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the idea behind Fruit Cardigan uh I just the website is also funny and fantastic so make sure to read the uh the FAQ on the website it's very well done and i love the designs there's one with the with the light bulbs that i want to get so yeah uh, very very good sponsor
0: nice um yeah, it's a lot of fun uh, so, um, iPhone 7, <laughs> it's so oh. early for this. Oh, God. Um, really?
1: Are, are we really doing this? I'm still learning 3D Touch on my 6S. We are, anyway.
0: we are doing this. Um, so the, 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 the rumor of the day, uh, from the Japanese website, uh, Mac. Oh, you can mm, do it. Mm. Go on. Go on. Oh, mm, I can't do it. Mac Odakara? <laughs>
1: Odakara? Macot- Mac, I would
0: say Mac yeah. Perfect. Um. Or maybe is it Japanese Mekotakara? takara? I don't know. I did not hear the difference between those two things. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Mike? Uh, so this rumor and this this Japanese this this site um, has pretty good track record, which Mac Rumors points out, is that Apple is planning to remove the three point five uh, millimeter headphone jack on the next iPhone in favor of their Lightning connector. So the the background of this a little bit is that you can now like you can go buy Lightning equipped headphones. Apple supports audio in and out over lightning. I think that's true since the iPhone 6, I think it was in 2014, uh they announced that. Uh it's it's part of the uh Made for iPhone program. It's uh you know, so it's been around, right? And this is kind of how Apple does things. Like Apple's like, "Hey, we have this new spec. It's going to be really important in like a year, <laughs> you know, or two years." <laughs> um and uh so the, the rumor basically comes down to the three point five millimeter jack. If you look at it on the bottom of your iPhone, it's the thickest thing on your phone. Several people point out on Twitter, it's also very deep. Um uh the the amount of uh the depth of that port, you know. If you look at the iPod nano, I think I saw an image of like that whole bottom lip on the nano is there to support that jack. It's it's big and it's bulky and it's problematic because it gets broken off. Um and so People are saying this, this this report is saying that Apple can make their phone thinner and simpler and um what I'm interested in is maybe even a little more waterproof if they get rid of this thing. Yeah. Uh which is a little bit crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> because uh, I mean this I wrote about this. I mean, uh the the, <laughs> the eighth inch or you know, three point five millimeter stereo jack is like the most universal thing I can think of in consumer technology. Like every single device that takes audio or sends audio uses this thing. It's uh, it's in cars, it's in AV systems, it's in home theater systems, mm-hmm. it is in classrooms, like any place you like, you can, you can, it's so universal you can just walk in and plug your thing into it. And it doesn't, I mean, I can be playing music off my first gen iPod or my phone or like a, tape player. It doesn't matter. I can get audio out through this thing. And this report is saying that Apple's going to get rid of that uh, to gain thinness. And that's uh, a very mm-hmm. interesting trade-off to me.
1: Okay, so let me, ask you, uh, let me ask you the same question in another way. In a hundred years, do you see the human race listening to audio by plugging a connector into a hole?
0: <laughs> no. I don't. Um, okay,
1: so if but... not in 100 years, why not in five? Uh, <sighs> I mean, if at it's some clearly point, the future, if yeah. it's obviously the future, why not do it now? It's going to be problematic. It's crazy. And I totally agree. And they're going to sell you an adapter, whatever. Yeah. But if it's obviously what's going to happen, and I believe it is inevitable, but the, you know, all these cables and buttons and, you know, physical... Objects that you either plug or click or move, they're going away. But if it's inevitable, why don't get started on it?
0: Uh yeah, I mean I, I don't disagree with that. And it's not um it's not that you can go into this lightly, right? It's not like transitioning. From PowerPC to Intel, where you can run Rosetta, and mm-hmm. all your old stuff works, right? Like you can't, be like, oh well, you can have the jack sometimes, right? And and Apple had a patent a, a couple of years ago for a smaller headphone jack, and that seems to have just gone by the wayside. Uh, maybe they built it, maybe it didn't work. There's no telling, right? Apple patents all sorts of stuff they never use, uh, and there's no doubt that Lightning is like superior hardware in basically every way, um, and if they can make it more robust, like, that's great. And there will be an adapter, and I will have to buy 12 of them because that's how adapters go. Uh, but I agree with you, right? It's going to be problematic. There's no way to ease into this. Because this thing is such a uh, well-used, like, universal-type thing, it is going to be painful whenever they do it. Um, yeah. And so I agree, I agree with you. It's inevitable, right? Like, this is – it's sort of a bad deal. It's super old-school, <laughs> like, very analog, kind of gross. Yeah. Um but whenever it is, like, uh, it is going to be painful and there's going to be that round discussion of like, well, they did this to make it thinner, but like, we don't need thinner phones. And again, uh. I think we've talked about this before. Thinness and lightness go together, right? Like the, the new phone is a little bit thicker and a little bit heavier than the old one. and Apple doesn't like that. Um, Mike and our, and our. Non Skype conversations was like, well, you know, this means they made a way to make the battery better and so they can make it thinner and lighter and still retain their battery life. Um, and so the 3.5 millimeter jack has to go. Um, but the transition is going to be hard, like, you're not going to be able to use your ear pods and move from your phone to your older iPad or to your computer, even because I mean, the Macs don't ship with lightning at all. And so, Mm -hmm. we're going to start seeing lightning show up on the Macs. I mean, there's lots of like weird questions here and what's going to happen is people are going to have an adapter or they're going to have two sets of earbuds or it's just going to be painful
1: yeah it's uh, i believe that a lot of people are against a rumor which is already like a a very ironic state of uh, of affairs but anyway a lot of people are against this idea uh because it's almost like Oh man, I really don't wanna deal with this right now. I wish that like my son in 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 twenty years uh, the, the future generation would have to deal with the problem of dropping the three point five millimeter jack uh but I feel like it's it's a change that's gonna come you know sooner or later, and we gotta deal with this right now. um uh, I am a proponent of dropping physical you know interfaces uh in the form of cables and you know plugs. Buttons, uh, stuff that moves and, you know, requires space. And the argument that we don't need thinner phones. um, Do we want thicker phones? We may not need thinner phones, but do we want them to be thicker? Uh, Do we want them to be heavier? Uh, Or is it just this fantasy that we have created for ourselves that, oh, if only the iPhone had a much bigger and heavier battery, I would be so happy. But then you would run into another problem that it would be bulky and uncomfortable to use. And I think we have sort of convinced ourselves that we don't want the iPhone to be thinner, but every year it gets thinner and we're happy. And when it doesn't, such as this year, that it's slightly thicker, we complain. So it it appears that you can write a nice article, such as The Verge, uh, with a nice, catchy headline, we don't need thinner iPhones. Uh, but in reality, we all want them and we all like them when we have them. So it's easier to forget about this part. Uh, as for the, the the connector itself, it is going to be a problem and it is going to be problematic. But uh, we, our Graham Spencer at MacStories had a nice, I, I believe, a nice article today about this. It is going to be inevitable, inevitable, and it is going to be a problem but there's a few ways that Apple could make this better and maybe a smoother transition for users. Uh, and and I think that it makes some good points about, you know, just maybe just give a few adapters for free uh, with it, each iPhone. Uh, they give you an adapter for free. I mean, it's not free, you pay for, but it's for free in the box when you buy an Apple Pencil. W- if they make this switch, so of course make your earpods Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, whatever and give people an adapter, or maybe a couple of adapters in the box. And maybe if you want to also sell one separately, just don't make it 20 bucks. Make it like 5 or 10 bucks tops, like $9.99. Just, I I feel like moving away from the standard audio jack is going to be a more, uh, it's going to be a messier, move than the 30-pin to lightning, which was already messy, and already people still are cracking jokes about it. Mm -hmm. I remember Tim Cook was on um, Colbert a few weeks ago, and he made a joke about the connector. So it's still in everyone's minds, and if you change from the the audio jack to Bluetooth or something else, it's going to be a much, much bigger story. So Apple has a few ways to kind of ease people into this change, and The solution is to not do whatever they have done so far when it comes to adapters and when it comes to moving from one standard to another. And because, you know, the lightning transition wasn't a problem for us because we're nerds and we just, okay, we're going to spend 50 bucks on cables and new Mm -hmm. adapters. But people like my mom, people like my friends, they still hate... uh, I mean, now they got used to it, but it didn't didn't help the goodwill of the Apple community, you know, when it happened. Uh, because Apple very famously likes to ask for quite a bit of money uh, to for cables and adapters. So there's a few ways that they could make this better, but I totally believe that it's going to happen, and I also think it should happen, because we should move away from this... You know, uh, components that occupy space and they are prone to damage, and you know it's just ugly to look at, and it's just an old idea. It's been uh, it's been around for for like a century. The 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 3.5 millimeter jack. It's a very old piece of technology, and if you think about it, it's incredible that we still use one. And again, I ask you, if you're not, if you think that in our ideal future we're not going to be using jacks to <laughs> listen to audio. Why not create the future now? Uh, it's going to be messy. It's going to be problematic. It's going to be a transition that we all got to take care of. But, you know, w- uh, the human race survived worst things. So I think we can survive moving from audio jacks to something else. And a theory that I see on Twitter, and this is the last point, a theory that I see on Twitter, and then it's kind of interesting. Uh, my, my friend Zach Saichi is, a, is a, in favor of this idea. What if Apple doesn't roll out this uh, audio jack-free uh, change on the main line of the iPhone, but on a on a separate, you know, iPhone model? And it's re- I think the parallel here is the original MacBook Air and what Marco uh, calls the MacBook One, so the new MacBook uh, with USB Type C, only available on the on the on the new MacBook, and which is clearly the feature but it's not available on the main lines of the Mac ecosystem yet. So you cannot buy an iMac with only a, a one single USB Type-C port. What if Apple starts to do this kind of major breakthrough? So an iPhone without audio jack connector, and maybe even an iPhone without uh, the home button, just a screen that does everything wirelessly or via touch, but it's not the main iPhone yet. This is not even a rumor. This is just speculation. But I feel like it's it's fun to it's fun to imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean, they kind of do that because old phones stick around, and we know that people buy old phones. So even if it's just on the new one, it's still a a transition period, right? Um yeah. I mean, look how long it took for ev- sort of everyone or most people to have a Retina phone. Then how many people have an LTE phone? I mean, that stuff takes time. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I think that. Uh, I think the the best this is the they can do is throw an adapter in the box. But uh, you know, even uh, when the Mac went from MacSafe to MacSafe Two, you buy a you know twenty five hundred dollar MacBook Pro and you can't use your old power adapter without buying a nine dollar thing. Like, I just don't have faith that Apple's going to do it. Uh, I think they should, and I think you know this is such a big deal that maybe they have to. But uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, it. I want the trade off to be they have to sell it right they have to say we are doing it because x and x better not just be thinness because i get it and i appreciate it but even to me that's not enough of a trade-off And i think to the general public it's definitely not because people put their phones in big bulky cases and they don't notice that the phone is thinner right um and uh i mean last night we bought a new success for my wife and the part of the conversation was well what case do you want she she puts her phone in a case. And that, that's fine, um, but uh, that's just what people do. And so most people are not going to notice it's a millimeter thinner and they are going to notice that they can't plug it into their car anymore <laughs> uh, without an extra thing. So we'll see. I think I'll be curious to see how this moves forward uh, and and what they do. You know, if if that jack is one of the reasons that the the phone still has a big chin underneath the screen, like I would love... Uh, a plus size screen and a smaller chassis, right? With less of that stuff at the top and bottom. Like I want Apple to be focusing yeah. on that sort of stuff. If you look at uh the iPhone X, any any other sort of flagship Android phone, most of them that have smaller bezels at the top and bottom than Apple's using. And those sort of trade-off I mean yes they have the home button and that's not really there on Android phones in the same way. But uh, I think it's time that Apple starts looking at some of these things that have been around since day one. Like how how do we make this uh Better and I I don't I'm not convinced that just that thinner equals better but I I do think that Apple is thinking about that sort of thing and uh, we'll see how it goes and it's December and we're talking about the next year's iPhone so uh, that's just crazy in and of itself I guess
1: yeah I mean it's been what two months since the new iPhone we're already talking about the iPhone seven I cannot yeah. I cannot uh, survive with this crazy schedule steven it is too much my my poor heart is gonna suffer for this iphone yeah. craziness
0: and there in there is like part of the part of my brain that says if this is true and this is out there early like is that on purpose um
1: actually you know what i'm thinking what's gonna happen to marco and his headphones
0: it's thousands of adapters <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> And that's what I'm going to have to do, like, you know, I mean, I use, uh, I actually don't listen to headphones with my iPhone very often, um, and it's something, too, we should we should talk about. I think there's articles out there that if I were to look for them, I could find them, but I would imagine, I think common sense just tells you that most people who use headphones or earbuds with their iPhone use the ones that come in the box with it, rather right? just use the earpods. And uh even again last night unboxing this new phone, I'm like, Hey, you have new earbuds and she's like, Yes, my old ones were destroyed. I'm like, Why do you tell me they were destroyed? Like I have like three sets of them, I could just give you another one. Um people just use what comes in the box, right? And so the the ear pods assumedly would uh obviously move to some sort of lightning plug at the end of it. And so you could buy a new phone, oh my new ear my new earbuds work, that's great. Um and that that is a big deal. That does Take care of a lot of people who are just going to use what comes in the box, and maybe they don't plug in their car, maybe they use Bluetooth in their car because that's very—I mean, even my Corolla I bought new last year has Bluetooth in it, right? It's not an expensive car, and so you know, most people—if if most people just use the headphones that come in the box and maybe Bluetooth in their car—then maybe it's not as big of a deal. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe it's only people like us who, you know, my phone, at least in a previous life, got plugged into a bunch of AV systems and. Uh, does get plugged into, you know, various things around the house. And and maybe that my sort of usage is not as mainstream as I think it is. And that by just changing the pods, most people would be relatively okay. And so, you know, there's that angle too, right, that Apple has that data. Apple, um they also have Beats, right? And if you're telling me that Beats want to have lightning-equipped headphones on day one, then, like, I would be just blown away. like They're going to have that. And so... People who are even into that brand and who like those products will have options as well. And so I don't, you know, it, it, it is going to be problematic, but it, maybe it isn't the end of the world for everyone because Apple can can do these things with their first-party stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, it, it's definitely going to be... I think it's going to be more interesting just to observe. I'm probably going to have to buy a bunch of adapters because... If they do this, it's, you know, the kind of adapter that I'm going to lose like a hundred times. Yep. Uh, And again, uh, there should be a couple in the box if they move away. But I see a lot, whenever I I go, uh, you know, I take the bus or, actually, I don't take the bus. What am I saying? I take the train occasionally, never take the bus. Uh,
0: It's like a bus. (laughs) (laughs) Stone rails. Uh,
1: Whenever I take the train or the plane, uh, I I see people with uh, either with a standard, iPhone EarPods or with Beats. And increasingly, I'm seeing wireless Beats, uh, which I also have. this Studio 2? Studio 1? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, they're wireless Beats and they're pretty good but you know Bluetooth CLS issues and I don't know if it's an iOS 9 problem or if it, I gotta update the, fir- the firmware of my headphones which is crazy but anyway I, I, I get dropped connections or sometimes I just get bad quality or if you want to watch videos with the Beats Uh, headphones uh, in wireless mode uh, you get a delay between the video and the audio which basically makes video unplayable with the Beats uh, wireless so there's still going to be problems to fix and it's up to Apple to kind of sell this change to say hey we made this transition from uh, a cable to wireless audio because it's better in such and such ways Uh, we'll see what happens but we got uh, uh, quite a quite a few 10 months Steven we can make, it, we can, we can literally make a baby in the meantime, and well, the baby will be born to wireless audio.
0: You and I can't make a baby.
1: Well, it's just a figure of speech.
0: <laughs> I think that's probably the end of the show. Uh, maybe forever. If you uh, want to get in touch with us, there are a bunch of ways you can do that. Uh, you can find the show notes and an email link. You can email us from our website relay.fm slash connected uh, this is episode 68 so uh, all the show notes will be at that page or in your podcast app choice. a bunch of links we've talked about today uh, you can leave us feedback on twitter the show is underscore connected fm you can find Federico online at vaticci on twitter or at the lovely and glorious net uh, you can find me on twitter at ismh and at 512pixels.net and uh, get in touch we want to hear from you uh, you can visit our three sponsors. Go check them out. Uh, thank you very much to Linda dot com, Igloo, and Foot Cardigan. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. All three of us should be back and uh, with uh, lots more to talk about. But until then, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Adios.